Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. hearing stories about murderous drifters? What about deadly strippers? Okay, what about entire towns being hunted down by a madman with a gun? If any of that sounds interesting, you should check out Murder Under the Midnight Sun, True Crime Stories from Alaska and Beyond, available on iTunes and Stitcher. I haven't had enough wine yet. No, I haven't even had any wine yet. Ooh. I've had a full glass of wine. You bitch. <laughs> Not fair. <laughs> All right. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Mmm. Mmm. Who are you? Yeah. I'm Kenyon. <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? It's Just me. Like that. Kenyon. <laughs> <laughs> and I brought your favorites. <laughs> oh my god. All it's right, I'm me. Kenyan. Lucy. <laughs> and I'm Amanda. And uh, this week <laughs> we will be discussing Drop Dead Gorgeous. No, mm-hmm. I'm kidding. For the next two hours, As we, we do are going to be every... recreating every line. Actually, that should be an episode topic. Done. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Beauty we can do it. Murders. Mm, we can do it. I love beauty For those of you doubting murders. us, you just yeah. watch. I was yeah. doubting us, hence my silence. <laughs> <laughs> Where we just do a live reenactment off book of Drop Dead Gorgeous. Spontaneously. I will be playing the role of Loretta, made famous by Allison Janney. <laughs> my spirit animal. I love her. Jenny and Goldie Hawn. So good. <laughs> oh my god. All right, all right. <coughs> this week we will be discussing international abductions, mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. known as kidnappings. Yep. What yep. up? Yep. What um, up? What up? <laughs> what so, up? Uh, what up? It's your <laughs> favorite crime. Kidnap. Okay. Not cool. <laughs> Cut that. Dear God, cut that. Never. Um, (laughs) Okay, Uh, Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing? Okay, well, um, first I have to mention that I purchased this wine uh, still thinking we had not yet recorded the Rage Blackouts episode Mm -hmm. and thinking I was still needing to buy wine for Rage Blackouts, but it turned (laughs) out that this was perfect for the uh, topic that we ended up choosing so I just got lucky but I was like oh yeah I need to get oh I need to get wine for Rage Blackouts even though I'd already edited it and like uploaded it it was ready to be released I don't know what my problem is it was bound to happen yeah but I can totally see that happening I do that constantly yeah. I have to consult our calendar mm-hmm. every time I post anything because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm so mixed up yeah <laughs> but I went with a wine called Blindfold. It's part of the Prisoner series, oh. which I know has been recommended to us several times, and I typically shy away from it 
only because of the price point, but I got this at Costco Liquor, and it was $25, which is absolutely the most expensive wine that we've ever yeah. bought, but um, still mm-hmm. a pretty good deal for, like, a very high-end white <clears throat> blend. So nice. this is a white wine blend. The label is fucking gorgeous. I can't wait for everybody to see it on Wine Wednesday, which by the time you hear this, you've already seen it. Um, and it is a blend of a couple varietals that we have not talked about before, so I'm pretty excited about it. Um, it is a Chardonnay blend, so I what? am, I know, I know. <laughs> but what? because it is blended with two other varietals that are, that I absolutely love. I was like, you know what? We're just going to go for it. So this is Chardonnay, Roussel, and Viognier. And Mm. they are three absolutely gorgeous French white wine varietals. There's actually a couple other things in there, like there's Riesling and something else, but Mm. um, they're predominantly Chardonnay, Roussel, and Viognier, so that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, this right. particular bottle should have flavors of honey, caramelized white fruit, um, rose petals, a little pineapple. It's like medium to full bodied, has a nice balanced acidity, but it finishes nice and pure and clean, which is kind of uncommon mm-hmm. for wines with so much flavor and with, um, a Chardonnay grape in it. So mm-hmm. this one also can drink well for about two to three years before being opened, which white wines, you typically don't want to age in the bottle for super long, but, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some strong grapes in here, so you could technically sit on this at a cellar temp or in a uh, cooler for two to three years before opening. I feel like that also fits the topic. It sure does. It totally does. It oh my god, sure yeah. does. <laughs> um, so, like I'm I not said, to be too morbid, but right? No, and this isn't the Stockholm syndrome. Thank God, but still, right? Oh my god, <laughs> it could sit in a box, box within wine. a box. It could for <laughs> up to seven years in, in a box within a box under your waterbed for two to three years. <laughs> Subsisting um, on pizza crust mm-hmm. <laughs> and a bedpan. Oh okay, let's Ooh. not get too bummed out before we even start okay. with this wine. Um, we've covered Chardonnay, but again, we've never featured Roussan or Viognier, so let's dive into those. Um, mm-hmm. Roussan, which when you read it, it just looks like Roseanne with a U, so that made me excited because <laughs> I love Roseanne. Um, this is a white wine grape grown originally in the Rhone region of France, which is like the fucking birthplace of amazing wine, in my opinion. I know that wine mm-hmm. existed before there, but the Rhone region is the best. If you're getting wines from like the Cote de Rhone, you're going to be happy with them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The berries are distinguished by their russet color when they're ripe, and Rue is French for the reddish brown color russet so that's where etymologists think that the root of the variety's name came from which is kind of cool um Mm -hmm. the aroma is often reminiscent of like a flowery herbal tea so you can almost get kind of a chamomile off of it in warm climates it's going to produce a more rich wine with like honey and pear notes a little bit sweeter a little fuller bodied but in colder climates it's going to be more delicate more floral more acidic um And pretty much anywhere you grow it, it's a super difficult variety to grow. It's vulnerable to mildew. Um, It has Mm. poor resistance to drought and wind, late or uneven ripening, irregular yields. Like, it's just kind of a bitch to deal with. It's finicky. It's roll finicky. Probably the most (laughs) finicky wine that we've had on the show. Um, So you're probably not going to see a whole lot of Roussel in its, like, pure form. Mm -hmm. You're going to see it blended because I just don't think they get a lot of this great. Enough. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, Viognier. And oh, that's probably why this bottle is so goddamn expensive. I would not be oh. surprised. And also, mm-hmm. as I was just about to say, Viognier is also low yielding. It's a little more resilient than this varietal, but that, again, could contribute to the price. You're not going to get... Um, a Viognier for like as cheap as a Chardonnay. It's just not as widely grown. Mm-hmm. It is also a white wine grape from the Rhone region, and like Chardonnay, Viognier has the potential to produce some full-bodied wines with like that kind of lush, soft, almost buttery character. But in contrast to Viognier, it typically has more natural aromatics, and it's a little bit sweeter, more like peach, pear, and violet. Um, and it's more like minerally than Chardonnay is. So all of this blended together. Your wine notes are like poetry. They're so good. You sound <laughs> they are so, so good. smart. I when love you're wine. About wine. I love I'm just wine. Stunned. Oh, you're sweet. It's the smartest I've ever heard you sound. It's the smartest I'll ever sound. <laughs> well, it sounds Leave it real to Lucy pretty. Lucy, to turn a compliment into an insult. <laughs> it's still a compliment. She it knows how to make a gal feel pretty. <laughs> backhanded, but it's still a compliment. Well, let's pop it open and see if the loveliness of the notes match the wine, shall we? Nuts. Our pop last week was really fucking disappointing, so I'm gonna like yeah. really go for it. Let's Boom. do it big. Ready? Yep. Woo! Oh, that, that was, was a nice badass pop. pop. <laughs> I just like, scared myself. So into it. Also, we're we're toying with the idea of nice pop mm. being the next thing on merch. Yes. So keep your eyes peeled to the. Uh, to the online store, guys. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. cheers. Woo. All right. Mm. Yum. Ooh. Yup. Mommy likey. Mommy fucking <laughs> likey. <laughs> okay. Now so the, sending the, the, her compliment. However backhanded it was. Well, the oh, shirts this wine need to is say nice good. pop on the front and then mommy, <laughs> mommy fucking likey, likey on, on the back. back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Guys, this it's is my like really favorite. ornate script. This is my favorite white wine that we've done. And Ooh. I'm not a Chardonnay person, but like the Chardonnay aspect of it is so subtle. I feel like it just kind of mellows out some of the acidity from the other varietals that are in there. It's really mm. good. I highly recommend mm. picking up this bottle. You should splurge on it and just treat yourself. On payday. Fucking mm-hmm. do it. Cool. If you Thanks for Costco. listening to me talk. I'll be not quiet now for a little while. <laughs> um, <laughs> Never. Mm-hmm. I'll be not quiet still. Yep. A uh, lot. Why don't you give us some background and psych into international abduction? My God, this wine okay. is so good. Well, <laughs> God, this I'm, wine is fucking good. Mommy fucking like it. Mommy, mommy fucking, fucking like it. Like yeah. It. Yeah, she <laughs> like it. <laughs> you are disturbing me. Greatly. I know. I'm disturbing me too. Sorry about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Lucy, take over, dear God. Whoa, honey. Okay, so I thought, I thought that this topic would be really rife with, like, information, but mm-hmm. everything that I Googled, every different phrase and different words, it all came down to fucking child abductions. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly... Ugh, Come on. I kind of, I kind of thought that, like, yeah, we, uh, we originally wanted to have that be a separate topic, parental child abduction, but when we 
zeroed in on international abductions, all the information oh, skewed to I was parental shocked child. that I found one that was not a parent. Like, yeah. I weeded through so many mm-hmm. that were parental mm-hmm. to find this one. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I you found one that wasn't. I was lazy and did parental. <laughs> You're not lazy. You and did a great your job. research 13 minutes ago. ago. Seconds. <laughs> while I'm Moments. harassing you, like, we gotta go, we gotta do this. Yeah. Okay. So I tried to kind of expand the uh, background a little bit, maybe beyond what I would have normally. So we'll just we'll just run down this little list. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. So there are over approximately over twenty thousand reported kidnappings each year around the world. Mm-hmm. But this number, there's no way this number is accurate given. The locations where these kidnappings occur, there's fear of retaliation from your kidnappers, and there's also a distrust of police in a lot of these areas. Yep, we kind so, of glossed over that a bit during the missing persons episode, too, didn't we? Well, yeah. I will compare this to, so 20,000 reported kidnappings, and there are a roughly 800,000 reported missing. Wow, okay. okay, okay. So, so there's there so a, a distinction between the two. Yeah, so we're talking just specifically kidnappings and abductions. Got it. So it's when it's when the authorities know with a certain degree of certainty that someone has actually been kidnapped mm-hmm. that they yeah. file it that way. Okay, <laughs> exactly. Um, so globally, abductions have increased dramatically in the past decade, and some reasons behind this are uh, the wars in I- Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, those those locations are becoming increasingly more dangerous and unstable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drug wars in Latin America, uh, Somali pirates, which mm-hmm. they didn't really give much of an explanation, but I'm thinking it's just due to better technology where mm-hmm. pirating is a more lucrative business because they're able to track ships with more valuable cargo. Look at me. I'm the captain <laughs> now. I'm the captain I'm now. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Fuck you, that Tom Hanks. That guy was amazing. Incredible. That actor, Chills. who is a Somali immigrant and resident of Minnesota. Yup. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Freaking crushed it. I can't that, remember his name right now, but he was amazing. Mm-hmm. That movie was so good. And yeah. on that note, there's actually been a lot more media attention, well, media attention to actual cases and also just entertainment value. Lots of TV shows and movies mm-hmm. along those same lines. Hello, Taken. Yeah. I have some stats yeah. about that. And coming up. Mm. It's part of your very specific set of skills. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to terribly <laughs> quote movies for the rest of this episode. <laughs> I will speak no. only in movie quotes. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, okay, so Somali pirates, the rise of ISIS, Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab, other terrorist groups like that have obviously driven abductions and the just mm-hmm. general destabilization of certain regions. Mm-hmm. Um, the migration crisis, which mm-hmm. is also linked to climate change and the devastated economies that arise because of it. And mm-hmm. the, these government, I mean, they're not really governments anymore. They're just run by gangs. Yep. Mm-hmm. So very base operations like abductions are just the status quo in a lot of areas, unfortunately. So, 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 because, so what you're saying is... Because these areas are so unstable and people are migrating anyway, and sometimes they're illegally migrating, then it leaves an opportunity for people to 
abduct or kidnap for ransom. Yep, correct. So there's actually yeah. a lot. There's a lot of abductions um, relating to the migration crisis. There are a lot of abductions in northern Africa mm. where they mm-hmm. take people who are desperate, um, who are trying to get into Europe. And they will exploit them and their families for as little as, like, $1,000. Hmm. So yeah, there's no. just a lot of people, very desperate. They're just ripe for the picking, I guess. Like a, like, so, like a nice Viognier grape. Exactly. Sorry. That's... We can cut this if you want. But that's more human trafficking than... Like kidnapping. Well, we'll get to human trafficking also. Okay. Because I do have a little part about human trafficking. Okay, okay. So it's not, I mean, I'm talking about cases where they're just holding people for ransom. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, currently. okay, okay. Good, okay, okay. Um, so, like, ex- I mean, there's a number of ways where you can exploit a person that you're holding against their will. Right. Human trafficking. Um, uh, let's see, I'll get to. So, uh, some of the reasons why people abduct, as since we're talking about it, are ransom, even for very small amounts, like $1,000, which I mentioned, uh, to make a statement, which is terrifying. Yes. So that's why a lot of journalists are beheaded on YouTube mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, the, the, you want the people that are abducted. If you're going to get abducted, you want the people that just want money. You don't want the people that want to use you as yep. propaganda. Sure exactly. don't. Yeah. So, relating yeah. to human trafficking, um, that is one of the reasons, but uh, kidnapping for this purpose is really risky. And typically, I mean, Kenyon, you can obviously correct me on this, but from what I read, they generally rely on some kind of scheme to lure people in willingly. It's mm-hmm. a lot more risky to kidnap a person and force them into human trafficking than it would be to just, you know, c- yeah. find someone who's desperate and just prom- make promises of money and whatever and let yeah. them come willingly. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's a pretty strong distinction between human trafficking and and international abductions or kidnapping. Um, sh- there's probably a subset of people that have been trafficked who were kidnapped in order to be trafficked. But like the daughter in Taken. Yep. Right, which is fiction. Mm-hmm. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will be bringing this around so many more times. Oh, oh my absolutely. God. <laughs> and I will pound my head against this desk. You but, will um, love it. I do love that movie. Mm-hmm. It's like your favorite movie. I freaking love that movie, but it's not human trafficking. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, the kidnapping element is very very rare and kidnapping for ransom is a very separate thing i would say than human trafficking Mm -hmm. yeah so that's what i was referring to when we're talking about kidnappings in north africa it's really i mean in most cases in that specific area it's for exploitation for a ransom okay okay um, so, Sweet. and then just given the, cli- you know, climate change, all of these governments and these economies are being destabilized, it's not going to get better. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is only going to get more widespread and only going to get worse. Exciting. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if Exciting. because of technology, is it, is it easier for people to kidnap and demand a ransom because they can say, you know, wire it to this anonymous bank account. 
That's you know. Def- yeah, I'm. I, yeah, I'm sure. Bitcoin. Because how would they? How would they do anything similar? Like you know, back in the fifties. Right. Show yeah. up to this location with an envelope of cash. Nobody ha- makes yeah, cool, There's no international like, about it. Letter right. cut out ransom notes anymore. It's I true. do. I miss them. Unless, I love collaging ransom notes. You're hiding your son's brutal murder of yeah. your daughter, and you live in mm-hmm. Colorado. Times yeah. used to be better. And your name is Patsy. Yeah. All yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> and you have tacky hair. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, she's dead, so we don't really need she's... to reel her too much. <laughs> oh, is she dead? Oh, yeah. The husband's still alive. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. I don't care. It's still tacky hair. Go on. Okay. We're going to move on from the tacky hair. <laughs> So the people who make these objections in general, it's they're they are smart people. They're very organized. They have a system. They have an um, an infrastructure, so to speak. They don't pick random. They don't pick random victims. Mm-hmm. So normally they are targeting wealthy or seemingly wealthy individuals, uh, people with ties to businesses or government. Yep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, children. Mm-hmm. Because they can obviously extract a lot of money for for children. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually I have a story about this. It's not super detailed, but my college roommate was um, her parents were Japanese, but she grew up in Paraguay. Okay, and um, she loved living there and whatever. And she went to the American International School there. And the reason her family had to leave Paraguay and move to uh, Bolivia was because another family, um, their mother was killed in a botched kidnapping attempt for ransom. Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. these people just broke into their apartment one afternoon and tried to kidnap uh, the mom and the teenage son I think I could be fucking this story up a little bit but bottom line she was killed in the apartment in the attempt to kidnap her and um, Mm -hmm. it just scared the hell out of my friend's family and so they moved to Bolivia where they could be like a little more low profile I guess because Mm -hmm. her dad worked for like a major international car company um, and was kind of high up, so... Is that why they were targeting her? They weren't Or is targeting... this a different family? No, so my friend's dad worked for this car company oh, and okay. was, was an expat <laughs> and was a very visible expat being, you know, 100% ethnically Japanese. Um, it, it was kind of obvious that he was a foreigner, mm-hmm. and she went to... My friend went to the international American school and so that was also very obvious that like the kids that go to that school come from wealthy expat families Mm -hmm. and so another family at the school the mom was killed in this abduction attempt so they just kind of felt like uh this is too dangerous we're not going to take the risk we're going to get out of here Hmm. that's terrifying that's so crazy freaky Mm -hmm. I know Yes. So and my friend I, was pissed because she did not want to leave Paraguay and she hated Bolivia. Yeah. So no offense <laughs> out there, Bolivia, but not a fan. To each his or her own. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Um, so that's one of my kidnapping stories. Oh, I'll great. save the others. <laughs> I'll save the others. So I will later on tell you how maybe some reasons why that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of these abductions occur as we were just talking in like Latin America. Um, so again, just to specify, we're talking about international abductions, which you're taking someone from one country and bringing them to another country. Mm-hmm. Right. So as far as abductions in general go, which is kind mm-hmm. of where my background sort of ended up. So I just mm-hmm. want to make sure that we know we're talking about mostly just abductions in general and not international necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right. Yet. Um, a lot of abductions occur in Mexico, Venezuela, and that's largely due to drug cartels, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Haiti, again, the destabilized government. Syria, India. Uh, it was a India. growing. Yeah, it's a growing problem in India, and as the, as well as the Philippines, mm-hmm. uh, Trinidad and Tobago, and then North and East Africa. So, do okay. you guys remember that big mall shooting? And that was the Al Shabaab. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Al-Shabaab. Yeah, Yeah, it was Al-Shabaab in Kenya. So just situations like that, they're technically abductions, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So there are some ways to avoid abduction if you are going to be traveling in areas like this or really just in general, depending on your level of paranoia. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which Uh, is Be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, in this crew, extremely. (laughs) It's about to get higher. Oh, God. Uh, be aware of your surroundings. Do, uh, don't walk around with your headphones in, like, all the time, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't wear anything flashy. Switch mm-hmm. up your daily routine so if somebody is watching you, maybe they're mm-hmm. thrown off course Lord. by you not taking your same route to work every day. I can't not so- wear anything flashy, though. It's not possible. <laughs> Amanda, you're I don't not going to not I don't think they mean out. that kind of flashy. My hair I don't think is they purple. Mean- that's no, I not mean the like jewel, like mean. jewelry, fancy bags, oh. fancy clothes, flashy. <laughs> so not like <laughs> my gold lame leggings. March. Yeah. No. Fancy. We're yeah. not no. talking about your Zubas. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, okay. Taint I mean, flashy. You're All fine. my jewelry is You're fine. uncoveted. <laughs> you're so. fine. <laughs> oh I'm relieved. Oh Continue. I'm fucking crying. Oh <laughs> okay, you watch bitches. for other people watching you. So counter Ooh. surveillance. I always have an escape like route. Somebody's don't watching me. Don't sit with your back towards the door at a restaurant. Mm-mm. I refuse to do that. I always have to see the door. Mm. Yep. I always know where the back door is. Always have an escape route. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then staying calm because the, the way your brain responds to stress is the biggest obstacle. Mm-hmm. Like, just mm-hmm. stay calm. Lie so, to yourself. Don't be overcome. So breaking don't into overcome. hives at the slightest instance of stress <laughs> Yeah, you're going to be killed immediately. Yeah, you're fucked. You will not survive. If you're in a foreign country, carry a newspaper in the local language. So if somebody is watching you, maybe they think that you're a local. Mm. Okay. Um, Always carry some kind of safety tool like a whistle or some mace or pepper spray, whatever. Pepper spray. 
pepper spray, salt and pepper spray. Ooh, uh, if the motive spray. is sexual in nature, they are more likely to be unarmed and you should fight back. But generally speaking, aside from the sexual motivation, mm-hmm. you should just cooperate. Just Okay. Cooperate. So if they seem like they're organized and they have weapons and stuff, like if and they're like a crew, then yeah. just do whatever the fuck they say. Do yeah. whatever but the fuck like they say. But if it's like one wacko guy <laughs> trying to get you in his car, yep. fight like hell. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. Okay. Um, also, if you are able to like make an escape or if you have a window of opportunity, then just make a scene, but yell. Don't scream. If you're screaming, you're more hysterical. More people are just likely to like look at you. Like you, you want help. Mm. You don't want witnesses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so people so, again, fucking patriarchy. Yep. When women scream, they're hysterical and mm-hmm. crazy, and it's their fault, and they don't know what's going on. But when men yell for help, yep. let's help them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Kitty okay. Genovese or whatever her name was. Kitty. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. The bystander effect. So also it helps to give direct commands to your attacker like stop, stay away from me, don't get near me because people are mm-hmm. <laughs> more likely to comply with direct commands even if like their if your best interest is not in their Sure, and the people around you are more likely to understand that you're in a situation that you don't want to be in. Because as a female, if you're using, quote, subtle hints to say you're not interested, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not enough to make it clear Mm -hmm. that you don't want to go with this person. Mm Yeah. But Mm -hmm. maybe Uh, if you're blatantly yelling, no, don't, I do not want to go with you, get away from me, then someone might get the hint that you're in danger. Or aren't you supposed to yell, I don't know you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yelling. That's my purse. I don't know. Again, you. not screaming or even saying, um, "I'm being kidnapped. I don't know this person. He's chasing me. He's wearing a blue sweatshirt and jeans." Like mm-hmm. just yelling these things. This mm-hmm. is also sort of helpful information without freaking them out entirely, but to teach your children to yeah. say, "I don't know this person. He, she's not my mom or whatever." Right. So not that people just know help, that they're help. not just, like, throwing a tantrum. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. So very speci- be specific if you have the opportunity to yell, not scream, for help. Be mm-hmm. specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another idea is to lie about what a bad idea it is to take you. Like, Ooh, how do you do that? You try <clears> to scare them? Like, my dad is the chief of police. I live two blocks away. Mm-hmm. Everyone around here recognizes Knows me. me. Yep. Um, yeah. I have this condition where if I don't take my medication every hour, I'm going to die. So you're looking at manslaughter charges no matter what. Mm-hmm. Amanda, yep. there you go. You're a diabetic. That Just is be like, I'm yep. a diabetic. Actually accurate. And, and they'll leave yeah. you alone. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely so. had moments where I have been nervous maybe walking to my car after a late night at my old job and I used to put my mm-hmm. cash like in my shoe and mm-hmm. I would take my anything essential like my wallet and my medication if I was wearing like boots or something and try not mm-hmm. to carry that in my purse so that I can just throw my bag down and run because I don't want to be left without that shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it sucks exactly. but like that yeah. is a serious thing if you get fucking kidnapped and mm-hmm. you don't have you don't enough have your... of your... You're not going to walk around with a month's supply of your medication, right. typically. So, like, what do you fucking do? 
So if you were in that situation and if you were kidnapped and being held for a long period of time, make sure that your kidnappers know that about you. Mm Because not only does it establish this emotional connection, Mm -hmm. but it could guilt them into letting you go. Because like I just said, like, I don't have it. I'm dying. I'm worth nothing to you. And I'm actually a burden because you've effectively killed me. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So make Mm -hmm. sure they're aware. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, okay, so we were ta- you were talking about uh, your friend, or the, the woman who was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first 10 to 15 minutes of an abduction are the most intense and the most dangerous because everyone is so jacked up on the, adrenal- on the adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, this is also why it's important to decide whether to cooperate or not. Because okay. if you if you if you if your first instinct is to not cooperate and fight back, there's a good chance that you'll be killed in the first ten minutes because everyone's so jacked up and they're just trying to get you where they want you and mm-hmm. like that's the window where if you're gonna be killed more or less accidentally, that's gonna be when. Yep. So okay, okay. Just keep keeping your head your wits about you is like so important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so some laws about international abductions, and again, this was m- almost entirely about children. Why? I don't know. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> people and their goddamn children. Fucking yeah. children. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> so there is the Hague Convention on the Civil Aspects of International Child Abduction, mm-hmm. more commonly known as the Hague Convention. Mm-hmm. And this was adopted in 1983, and it's a treaty that provides an expeditious method to return a child intentionally abducted by a parent from one country to another. And it okay. only applies to children under the age of 16. Okay. So, okay, so basically, even countries that don't have, like, extradition treaties between them, like for criminals, <laughs> if they've signed on to the Hague Convention, then... If a child is abducted from country A to country B, country B will yep. extradite them back. Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. But it is also important to note that only, uh, let's see, only 97 states, a.k.a. countries, have mm-hmm. signed this treaty. Okay. And just for a little bit of context, there are about 195 states, a.k.a. countries. So about mm-hmm. half of them. Okay. So there's always a chance that if a child is abducted, then the the abductor, the parent, it's got to mm-hmm. be a parent to apply to this, mm-hmm. um, goes to a country that is not a signatory. So mm-hmm. I feel like, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like a lot of Middle Eastern countries are not signatories uh, because parental rights and custody, uh, at least in certain Middle Eastern countries, um, depend really heavily on, like, gender or, like, if the parent is the mother or the father. Mm-hmm. And I'm so... Sure, I'm sure you're countries, right. Yeah, a lot of countries will kind of give preference to whichever parent, whether they're morally in the right or wrong, but whichever parent is from that country. Oh, uh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So, um... It's, it's, quote, wrongful removal or retention when it is in breach of custody rights under the laws of the state in which the n- child normally inhabits. So the, the state in which the child was taken from. Mm-hmm. So those are the, 
the um, custody rights and laws that that uh, that are sustained under this treaty. Mm-hmm. Um, that it also only applies if both states are signatories. So if you leave one state that is a signatory and go to a state that is not, then it does not apply, or vice right. versa. Okay. And I thought this, um, I thought, okay, so this is where it gets a little bit murky. The U.S. has the most cases of any other signatory of international abductions relating to this treaty. Mm-hmm. So okay. it is most commonly, I think it's fair to assume Mm -hmm. children who are taken from the United States and into other countries. Right. That's the most frequent Mm -hmm. cases that apply to this Mm -hmm. treaty. It could also be American parents whose children have been taken somewhere. Um, So, yeah, but it's talking about if the child normally resides in a certain state, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. the United States, mm-hmm. like, so if you say it's an American child, then, yeah, it's it's involving America, the U.S. and another so country. So it applies if they were abducted, abducted abroad or abducted in the states and taken abroad. Either way, it's international abduction, removing Correct. them from, so, quote, the United yeah. States to another country. Yeah. yeah, so it would apply if, let's say, an American family went on vacation mm-hmm. it to France mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the father and the mother had an argument and the the mother took a child took one of the children to another state from France mm-hmm. the american right. laws would apply mm-hmm. right not french yep necessarily mm-hmm. even though that was specifically right. the state that the child was taken from because they're american citizens and they're just visiting Correct. They're not but, residing. But there. also, if one parent is American and one parent is, let's say, French, oh. um, like then the American parent, I think even if the child doesn't normally doesn't normally reside in America, but I still think the um, let's say the French parent takes the child somewhere, I think the American parent can still file. A suit. Sure. I mean, certainly if the yeah. parent abroad is uh, breaching whatever, like, uh, custody contract they may have and withholding mm-hmm. access to the child in a foreign country, I'm mm-hmm. sure that would apply. Like, there are ways that you could mm-hmm. file against that parent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, okay. For this reason and more, this is a very touchy subject and actually unlike some other signatories some other states that are part of this treaty the u.s does not have special lawyers and judges and courts to handle international abduction cases sure so for Hmm. example um if you are the victim of abuse and you're trying to escape your abuser because um just because this treaty was written with the well-being of the child in mind Mm-hmm. And abduction equals bad. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I read a story about a woman who she's she's American. She's from the U.S. She went to uh, Belgium and married a Belgian guy, and they mm-hmm. had some they had children. And she tried to escape him, but she mm-hmm. was prosecuted for for abduction. Taking the kids, mm-hmm. but yeah. she but she was trying to escape her abuser and in a lot of cases the children would be returned to the abusive father. Right. Because yeah. again, abduction equals bad and we don't have a specific court system to handle these kinds mm-hmm. of cases. Yep. And I also thought it was interesting that um 
uh, more than 60% of the abductors in these international cases are women. And most of them are victims uh-huh. of domestic violence. Yeah. So it yeah. is important that we develop some kind of special process to handle these cases because it is not black and white. And right. you, can't, you can't just say the, you abduct a child and take it across borders. Of course, that sounds bad, but if right. most there of the cases are abuse, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And um, I don't, yeah, I, th- I mean, some of the parental abduction cases obviously are, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Malfeasance. I don't mm. even know. They're they're you know they're against the law and they're not for any uh, proper reason. They're just people oh, who mm-hmm. lost like a custody battle or it's an emotional um, reason, not like a safety yeah, yeah. thing. Exactly, but it is important to like get to the bottom of that particular case. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's complicated. Anytime you're taking a child across international borders, it is really complicated, yeah. and like. In South Africa, they just implemented a new law, and everybody's kind of pissed about it and kind of freaking out about it. But it's you need to have, um, like, the original birth certificate. Well, not a copy, not a certified copy. You need, like, the original birth certificate for any child that you're taking in or out of the country, and you also need... Under parental- 18? Yes. What? And, yes, and you need... Um, and it's like an it's the unabridged birth certificate so apparently in South Africa they have an abridged version which is like easier to get Mm -hmm. and then they have the unabridged version which is a lot harder to get it takes more time to get it from the government whatever um and so you need to have the original unabridged birth certificate for any child you're taking in or out of the country and you need both parents permission and um you know, I, I see why they've implemented that law, although it's very inconvenient for families, but it makes sense. I know? get it, but my initial, like, reaction was if you have to, I mean, is this just to obtain a visa or is this, like, at the airport if you at have a airport. minor? Okay, if you so want to go on vacation. Wow. So then you're traveling with your original birth certificate and your child. I feel like that could make you a target. You're traveling with a very important document. Mm-hmm. There well, are reasons why copies of that shit are accepted most of the time. Well, I don't know that anyone would necessarily want to steal someone's birth certificate, but um, or a child's birth certificate, maybe for, you know, illegal paperwork or something. Purposes. I mean, that's kind of what a passport's for, right? I mean, just yeah. require a passport. Yeah. I'll, I don't I'll, know. I'll, I think- call, I'll call the government. I'll get it sorted out. <laughs> I think I have better ideas than they do. Okay. Give them a call. Give them a call. My 45 minutes worth of research and my gut reaction. I don't have kids yet because (laughs) it just sounds so complicated. And, like, we've definitely had friends or heard stories from parents um, who were like, yeah, we had this whole trip planned, and then they changed the law, and we the government took, you know, four months to... Get the get us the unabridged birth certificates, and we had to cancel the whole trip. Oh my god! Just board your child. Uh, Go on the vacation. Like a dog. Put him in a kennel. Yep. Just board him. 
Get them a yeah. get them a pee, a pee pad. They'll be fine. <laughs> just overfill the bowl. One of those bowl drippy of water food. things, yep. like for hamsters. A hamster. Overfill water the bowl. Bo- the food bowl. Leave a hamster yeah. water and a pee pad. Oh out. my yeah. god. Crack huh. crack a window. They'll be fine. Crack a window. <laughs> oh my god. Oh We're on we something. Just lost all of our parental listeners. It's fine. <laughs> I don't think we did. Uh, I think every parent has thought about the possibility of leaving a kid for a long weekend just like you would your cat. Yep. Yep. Okay, so I have one small part left to talk about. And uh, this is a quote from the U.S. travel whatever department. Uh, In acts of desperation, some parents will attempt to use extrajudicial forms of recovery such as personally traveling to the foreign country to recover a child. Although mm-hmm. it may seem easier and faster to use extrajudicial judicial methods. You got this. I've had a lot of wine. <laughs> extrajudicial <laughs> methods. They often violate U.S. federal laws and the laws of the foreign country involved and may potentially exacerbate the situation. They often violate. <laughs> For example. As an inviolate use of force against these children. I love this accent. For example, (laughs) the parent who kidnapped the child may have sought assistance from a foreign court or obtained a foreign custody order. You sound like Matthew McConaughey as, like, a lawyer in a drama. (laughs) Matthew McConaughey as Jeff Sessions. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. Oh, my God. In such circumstances, the other parent's direct removal of a child from the foreign jurisdiction without the assistance of the U.S. Department of State could result in his or her arrest or even imprisonment in that foreign country. And that leads me to let you guys know that Liam Neeson's character in Taken killed 35 people. It all circles back. And if you're thinking, wait, it was a lot more than that, I will specify with, he injures many more, but the counter on moviebodycounts.com only marked men as dead if you could hear a neck being broken. Hmm. What about shooting? They don't count if you're shot? They don't count that as dead? it's an injury. No. So if so, he breaks so really the he neck, killed like seventy. If the if he bre- we counted one time, it was in the seventies. If he oh breaks the necks, if he breaks the neck and you hear it being broken, that counts as a mm-hmm. death, yep. and that's thirty-five. That is, that is such a specific method, such a, like a specific rubric. Yeah. It's moviebodykills.com. <laughs> she didn't oh make my the God. rules. She's just following them. All right, you take up your grievances with governments. I will take up my grievances with the <laughs> with much more body important bodycount.com. <laughs> yes, please. It's very elite. Well, I'm obviously toasted enough to be done with my section, so Huzzah. take it away, kids. <laughs> All right. Well... My case is a parental abduction case, Mm -hmm. international, Um, but it's not one of the ones where it's, you know, someone legitimately fleeing from uh, an abusive relationship. It's one of the shitty ones. So, yay! (coughs) Um, Can't wait. (laughs) Okay, so 
the victim in this case, the child in this case, goes kind of technically goes by two names. So her birth name was Cecilia, and after she was abducted at a young age, her name was changed to Sarah, and that is the name that she grew up with and the name that she still has today. Okay. So I will be calling her both Cecilia and Sarah kind of throughout my thing. That's not Without confusing at all. or explanation. Enjoy. <laughs> um, okay. So you're the worst. And I'm not apologizing for it. I'm just Doing making it. sure you're aware. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bad with names anyway. I would yeah. not have noticed. <laughs> okay, so Sarah slash Cecilia Finkelstein. Fink Frankenstein. Oh, just call her Fink. What? Cecil Frankenstein. Not Frankenstein. Cecil Frankenstein. Just call her Fink. <laughs> Finkel. Um, she, okay, her mother was Nor- a Norwegian kindergarten teacher named, and this is unfortunate, but her mother's name is pronounced... <laughs> Tuna. What? Her first name? <laughs> She's Norwegian. Cecil and, and Tuna spelled, Frankenstein. <laughs> it's not spelled tuna, <laughs> but apparently it's pronounced tuna. How, How is, is it spelled? spelled? T-O-N-E. Okay, that's tone. Tony, Tony, oh, tone. tone. Clown on her tone. <laughs> We're Clown calling on her, her tuna. Oh my god, I am calling her Tuna, but I won't say her name much. Um, I really like Tuna, actually. (laughs) So, uh, her father was Herbert Finkelstein. God. Tuna Frankenstein. (laughs) I wonder what his religion was. (laughs) He's such an ass. He was a secular Jewish chemist. So, a not very religious Jewish chemist. Nailed from it. From New York. Ooh, she got you. She got you. <laughs> um, so, my adoptive peoples. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, are you really chosen if you kind of chose them? I'm not chosen because I'm an atheist and not converting. Mm-hmm. But I do have to cook a fucking Seder dinner every goddamn year. So, I'm calling them my adoptive peoples. Mm-hmm. Um, You're not okay, chosen. So <laughs> Cecilia was born in Oslo and continued to live there with her mother after her parents divorced. And some reports said they just separated, but others said divorced. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They lived apart. Um, so she <laughs> lived in Oslo. Uh, her parents divorced when she was two. <clears throat> she lived with her mom. And her father, Herbert, moved to Denmark. Okay. Okay? He's he's an American from New York, but he was working in Oslo, and then he started working in Denmark. So, two years later, uh, when Cecilia is four, so it's April 1974, Herbert came to visit his daughter and her mother in Oslo over the Easter holiday. Okay. Okay? So, the mother is Christian, and the father is, like, Jewish, but not very religious. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tuna had full custody. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we're adults. We're adults. We're adults. We're adults. Tuna was in oil. <laughs> Tuna was delicious 
seared, but absolutely revolting <laughs> oh in a can. And God. great on a cracker. Yum. Ugh. I'm so hungry. Um, I love okay. tuna. Tuna had full custody. <laughs> She's been through a lot. I don't care. She yeah, was in a, a lot net. of processing. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> This poor woman. Can we, okay. call her, can we call her Star Kissed? <laughs> oh my god. Dolphin save. Oh Dolphin god. save. <laughs> Dolphin save. Oh so DS was had full custody. <laughs> oh my god. Alright. I am checking out from this conversation. You have from to. this quest. It's the only way to survive. Okay. So, the <laughs> now I'm just laughing at Lucy's laugh. I'm crying. <laughs> I don't know why I think this is so fucking funny, but I do. DS Tuna. I love Tuna so much. <laughs> okay. So. We got this. We got this. The mother had full custody, <laughs> but the exes uh, maintained an amicable relationship after their split mm-hmm. for their daughter's sake, so they consciously uncoupled before it was cool. <laughs> Hipsters. So douchey. And uh, Herbert visited often. So he lived in Denmark. It's not that far from Oslo. So he was there pretty frequently to see his daughter, whatever. And when he came to town, he would stay at Tuna's house. Okay. Oh, my God. Her can. <laughs> yeah, stay at her can. <laughs> We're gonna get through this. Oh my so, god. She shouldn't have been named Tuna. <laughs> this is the <laughs> worst. This is so stupid. I don't know what you were asking for here. <laughs> oh my god, we got through Big Ooh. Boy. I thought Tuna would be like a little, like, haha, no. not like we're melting. <laughs> this has derailed the entire story. Just this one name. I'm gonna try okay. real hard not to giggle super hard at I'm not. mention. <laughs> Okay, so when Herbert was in town, he stayed with the former Mrs. Finkelstein. (laughs) But we know what you mean by that, so it's not less funny. It's almost funnier when you try to avoid saying tuna. (laughs) Tuna Finkelstein, hi. Hello. It's better than gefilte. Oh. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Stop. 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 All right. So it's Easter. He's in town to see his daughter because it's Easter. Yeah. Jewish. (laughs) It. Yeah, but he's not religious. He's not very religious. He's just. He just happens to be Jewish, but he's not very religious. And his (laughs) wife is Norwegian, and so it's Easter. Okay. Okay. Dear God. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah. This sentence. Oh no. Oh no. What? Say it. Say it. Say it. <laughs> don't make me look at your notes. I can't. Don't look. I can't. I can't. <laughs> While Tuna <laughs> While Tuna was at home. 
preparing the traditional Norwegian Easter lunch of, quote, fish. (laughs) (laughs) No, Tuna, no! Do it. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, my God. So it just said fish. It didn't say anything else. The world doesn't need any more of different kinds of fish. Millions. Millions. Yeah, but we're, we're Norwegian, so we're not very descriptive. Let's assume she's fish. preparing a tuna noodle casserole. Her, her, she's preparing her cousin herring. <laughs> like, no one else is going to think this is as oh, funny as we do. Good God. I doubt it. it. Oh, my God. Okay, so... Poor woman is at home. She's preparing Easter lunch. And (laughs) Herbert was like, let me take uh, Cecilia out and, you know, take her to the playground or whatever and, like, run some errands while you cook lunch and, you know, we'll be back in time to eat. Sure. She was like, great. Okay. And he had visited lots of times before. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like business as usual. She has no reason not to trust him. Yeah. Um, So she's... When the pair didn't return for several hours, she grew worried. And once, um, but she was worried that they had, like, something had happened to them. Right. Um, And so once they were five hours late for their set lunchtime, she called the police. Mm -hmm. And at first she was like, you know, have there been any accidents today? Were there any car accidents? You know, whatever. And this is the 70s, so it's not like he has a cell phone she can't fucking call right him. yeah it's 1974 or and track his cell phone mm-hmm. right yeah so you know and they were just gonna like go to the playground and run some errands so it wasn't like she had one specific place to like look for him either can i ask um, do you know how far away is oslo from denmark it's like, not far mm-hmm. at all drive wise like, like a couple hours well, you can't drive. There's water. Yeah, you have but, to take a, a, a ferry, but it's within a couple hours it's of transportation travel. wise. Yes. It's very close, yeah. Okay, yeah. So a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But he actually did not. Okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself, but Denmark is, is not, does not become involved. So. Um, I'm, just, I'm just trying to gauge how concerned she should be. So she says that it did not dawn on her until, like, much, much later, so maybe, like, late that evening or even the next day, that it, he would have poss- he could have possibly done something like this. Right, like, like taken she off just, with her. Yeah, she still was just in this thinking, this mode of thinking, like, something happened to them and mm-hmm. I hope they're okay. Mm. Um, yeah, when does it cross that threshold? That's freaky. Yeah. And also because the bastard had planned ahead. Mm. So he had left his suitcase with all of his stuff in it, except, of course, his passport and money. Mm-hmm. Um, he had left his toothbrush on the, like, bathroom sink. You know, he had, like, he just Made it look out. like he was planning to come back. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He didn't bring anything of... Um, Cecilia's, you know, he just made it look like absolutely we're just going to go run some errands for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It's disgusting. Yeah. And he had planned the abduction ahead of time down to the last detail, so he had even gone on a prior, quote, reconnaissance mission. 
Wow. To scope out uh, the new life for them in New York City. So he was going to take her back to oh New York God, City. Oh, my God. He took he was, her to the U.S.? Ooh. Yes. Wow. Uh. So um, Cecilia remembers being on the airplane. And she was four. Mm-hmm. But she remembers, like, being on the airplane and her dad, like, saying, we're going to New York. But she, you know, it's, she's four. Yeah. It's not clicking for her. She's with her dad, who she trusts. Right. Yeah, she doesn't know you what know, the fuck whatever. New York is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's all she remembers. They fly into JFK, and they go straight to this neighborhood in Brooklyn called Crown Heights. And um, something to know about Crown Heights is that it is the center of the Lubavitch Jewish community. Mm -hmm. And so um, Lubavitch Jews um, are one branch of an ultra-Orthodox slash Hasidic Mm. Jewish community. So they are, like, super, super uh, religiously observant Jews, they believe that the Torah is the, like, literal word of God. They're almost like Jewish extremists in their own way. Yeah, exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. They're very, very extreme, and not to piss anybody off, but in my opinion, like, a little Mm culty. Pretty, pretty Mm -hmm. culty. They're kind of, like, scarier Jewish Amish. Okay. And yeah, oh, okay. I don't know. So they they are the ones like, if you see people walking, well, not just Lubavitch, but Hasidic in general, Jews, are the ones like walking around with the payas, with the hair, yeah. with the big hats, with the like thick black coats, even in the summer, or like are the payas the sideburns? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> they're very uh, noticeable, and it's a. And the you women, know. the women have like bonnets and like long dresses and stuff. They don't wear bonnets. Not no, like but they bonnets, wear, but like head coverings. Yeah, they'll wear like head scarves or they'll wear um, wigs mm-hmm. and long, you know, very covered up and, you know, all this stuff. And the men and women are separated a lot, even at weddings. Mm. They'll have a, a temporary wall put up. And the men will party on one side of the wall, and the women will party on the other side of the wall. I don't hate what? that. I'm in. There's no party. That's no party. Yeah. I love a party without <laughs> men. So is that when they have to have sex through the sheet? Or is that, like, just Hasidic Jews in general? Mm, I'm only I, basing my knowledge on Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> I don't know it well enough to know whether or not that is real or a rumor. Where's Zach? So Let's wake him up. In. He Wake does up, not Zach. Know. If anything, Zach knows less about this than I do. Ask that is about how... the sex with the sheet. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, what's the sex with the sheet thing? Are they like Mormons? Do they have special underwear? We needed the deep. Also, what's that like? Can we try it? I just, I'm curious. It's yeah. kind of kinky. I kind of like it. Yeah. Hashtag live a little. Um, <laughs> Hashtag grab the yes. sheet. <laughs> what if it's a fitted sheet? Is that weird? Oh my god. <laughs> it can only be a fitted sheet. <laughs> They're like, you I don't even know how to fold this. How do I fucking fold this? It's a Hasidic thing. <laughs> they have to have sex through a fitted sheet. No other sheet. That's why need fitted apply. sheets were invented. Everyone else just hates them. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. One more reason Jews are persecuted. Mm-hmm. Everyone else hates a fitted sheet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So I'm done. 
I'm done. So it's a very strict community. It's a very religious community. It's really kind of culty, and it's very, very insular. So there are these, like, little enclave neighborhoods, and, so, like, most people in those <coughs> neighborhoods, like, basically never leave the neighborhood. They can walk to school. They can walk to synagogue. Yep. They can walk to the, to the store. To, yeah, to the grocery store. They don't have cars. Yeah, they, they don't like, drive. Yeah. They are and even. Yeah, yeah, and even on Shabbat, um, so on the Sabbath, there in some communities, there's like a literal string that surrounds the community, and it's like this is the area in which you have to stay during you Shabbat. You can be during Shabbat, right. and if you leave this area, then it's like you're working on Shabbat Weird. because you're like traveling too far. Yeah. So why did he bring his daughter to this area? Yeah, wouldn't he, he was stick just out like a, a sore thumb? Yeah, if he was just, well, like n- a non-observant Jew from Europe, yeah. like so that is an excellent question. So he was a pretty non-observant Jew, but Cecilia says that her father became super religious overnight hmm. and that she doesn't know how much of that was genuine, but she suspects that it was all a part of his plot to keep her hidden from her mother. And from the authorities looking for her. My God. Well, and so, so he must have had her for a while then in hiding for her to remember all of uh, this. Yeah. She's oh, getting shit. into it. We'll get into oh, it. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, my God. So, um, so, I mean, part of it is that, like, the police more or less leave these communities alone. Right. You know, they kind of, in a way, police themselves. Yep. Almost. Well, what good um, would a police, like a federal probe, do in a community like that? Right. Like, people are not going to snitch. I mean, they're not going to. No, but I also feel like know. the majority of the crime that they may be experiencing is going to be coming from the outside of their community, not within their community. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, you would be surprised. I mean, there have been some high profile cases of, like, abuse or, you know, whatever. Um, sure. I feel like in but, a case like this, it's very subtle. Like it's pretty nuanced. Like it, it's a daughter. Mm-hmm. It's a daughter who belongs to this father, mm-hmm. right? You know, he's and maybe he not just abusing saying, her. What What's there to deal? You know, right? And he could have told. I mean, I'm sure he probably told people like her mother is dead. Yeah, I'm a single father, and like right. end of story. Right. 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 So, um. Cecilia says that her father was like a master manipulator and that um, he kind of became ultra-religious overnight so that he could get into this community and then rely, like ingratiate himself in the community and then rely on the generosity and hospitality of that community for handouts. So literally for like food, shelter, money, jobs, whatever. Because... He was a chemist, but he couldn't go by his real identity, um, so he needed to find work that, you know, would fly under the radar. Yeah, and would comply with all of these, like, ultra-strict religious beliefs, which I'm sure, being a fucking chemist, is not really applicable in these, like, tiny religious Mm -hmm. communities. Mm -hmm. Well, it was, she was saying it was more like if somebody was like, hey, I'm gonna become Amish, because then I can get a job in the Amish community mm-hmm. because I can't bring my actual resume around and do the work that I'm actually trained for because the police would find me. Sure. Okay. Does that make sense? Him off. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to he's trying to <clears throat> evade 
um, notice, right. basically. Like, so he's just any any logical route would not be approached at all, would not be explored. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he just hadn't been a part of this community before, but if somebody says, hey, I have seen God and I want to, you know, mm-hmm. return to my faith. That actually makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And if I were yeah. to abduct a child internationally, that's actually a pretty good, yep. right? When you pretty copy good approach. this guy. Yeah, yeah. totally. So, but he gets um, caught, obviously, so... Well, sort of. No? So, um, basically, he was able to move around from, like, the core of this community is in Brooklyn and in certain neighborhoods in Brooklyn. But he was able to just, like, with just a letter from the rabbi to vouch for him, travel to other states and join smaller offshoots of this community. Weird. So he he traveled with Cecilia constantly to other Lubavitch communities around the country um, and was just kind of like begging and just relying on these uh, these the goodwill of these other people. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's horrible. Um, and obviously, like, in Jewish culture and religious tradition, like, doing a good work for someone is called a mitzvah, and it's, you know, you're supposed to do a certain number of mitzvahs and all this stuff. So people are very generous, and they want to help, whatever. So he's preying on people's goodwill. Right. Yeah. Completely. All over the country. Yeah. So, um, until she's 12 years old, uh, And she was how old when she got taken? Four? Four. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So until she's 12, uh, Cecilia, who is now being called Sarah, mm-hmm. um, and she barely even remembers ever having been called Cecilia. Wow. Right? So Sarah now um, had no idea that her father had kidnapped her or that her mother was still looking for her. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, yeah. What she, the fuck is her mother doing? My heart. Yeah. Yeah. So just never her, got she just never came home with her dad like what what's the yeah. mom do? So I was going to talk about this later but I can talk about it now. Her mom was just looking for her and like working with the Oslo police and like Interpol and you know putting out feelers and trying to find her daughter but mm. she had nothing to go on. Yeah. And this was um, in the 70s before the Hague Treaty. Mhm. Yeah, well, she was abducted in 74. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't until 83. Yep. Oh, Jesus. Poor yeah. Tuna. So, um, and Tuna, Poor tuna. Felt, Yeah, she fell into a deep depression for a while. Um, and, you know, she, Sarah, Cecilia slash Sarah describes it as, like, she fell apart for a while because she was just so distraught. Ugh. I mean, this was her tuna, only child, no. right? Tuna, So, um, okay, so um, I'll get back to that. I'll get back to Tuna in a second, but a little bit more about the the life under um, her father. Right. So uh, he made frequent insinuations that because her mother was from Northern Europe and Norway was occupied by the Nazis during World War II, um, that... Her mother was somehow involved with the Nazis. Ugh. And um, the dad forced 
Sarah slash Cecilia to learn everything she could about the Holocaust, and he would, like, have her listen to, like, ultra-graphic Holocaust survivor stories. No. When she, when she was a young child. What the and then, fuck? And then say stuff like, you know... You know, your mother is from Norway, and the Nazis were in Norway. No. And, no. Yeah. Holy no. shit. Yeah. yeah. What a piece of shit. Yeah. This guy's so, fucking like, cray. manipulation. He is not dolphin safe. No, he's not. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. 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 No. Subpar. Oh. Okay. So, Subpar So, you guys, when Sarah slash Cecilia was 12... She was eating a bowl of cereal, and she recognized her own <gasps> face on a milk carton. No. Oh, no. Can you Johnny even Gosh's legacy imagine? <laughs> yeah. Can you no. even fucking imagine that? Yeah. So she was 12. No. She knew what that meant. She knew oh. what a kid on a milk carton was. Oh, that was like 80, like early 80, like 80s? At this point, yeah. I mean, if she's 12 86. now and she, yeah, she was abducted in 74. Oh, no, wait. My math is so off. So that's 82. 82. That's, er, yeah. 84. Oh. That's eight years later. Whatever. We're yeah. all bad at math. Oh, my We're God. So that's, bad. Oh. It's oh. the 80s. So she's... <clears throat> So, <laughs> so she said she felt she was one of the very first milk carton kids. Wow. Um, and Jesus she said that fuck. she knew it was her. It had her like original name on it with her, you know, Norwegian middle name and her mother's Norwegian name and everything. And she knew that it was her on that milk carton. Wow. Um, and she said that she felt instantly ill and went and poured her cereal down the toilet. Mm. Like, just, like, panicked mm. and was like, oh, my fucking God. I can't even what? eat. And she's 12. Ugh. Yeah. What did she do? So, oh, so my then God. it's just, she said that she just, like, did, like, just denial and repress. Like, she just didn't say anything. Oh, my God. started to become, like, suspicious of her father and, like, slowly, like, emotionally withdrew from her father. Um, But, like, didn't say anything about it. But probably, I mean, at 12, you're sort of emotionally withdrawing from your parents anyway. Right. So I'd be willing to guess that he didn't fucking notice. Yeah. But also, like, in this strictly religious community, like... Parents uh, and that's fathers. True. I kind of forgot they, about that. They have a lot of power. Yeah. I mean, it's not like us where it's like, fuck you, mom, I'm going to the well, mall. Well, she, couldn't have, just, know, like, she <laughs> couldn't have just run to a neighbor and said, hey, you know, yeah. this is happening yeah, to me. You true. need to help I me. I forgot about the whole religious thing. Right. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so yeah. what happened? So, um, one more fucked up thing is that meanwhile... While Tuna is looking for her daughter, every few years, she would get a photo with nothing else, just a photo of her daughter in the mail. No. So was... Like an updated no. photo. Was Sarah sending her that then somehow, or...? No. No, no, the no. Dad. It was Herbert. So he oh. would just send, like, a recent photo to kind of be like, she's still alive. <laughs> It's bait. What a piece of shit. He oh sucks. my god. Yeah. Ugh. Fucking 
fucking piece of shit, right? So, so the mother knows that um, Cecilia slash Sarah is still alive, but she doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know how to find her, okay? As a mother, oh, my God, that would do... I mean, I'm not a mother, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I Mm -hmm. can imagine that as a mother, seeing your Mm -hmm. child's face once a year as they grow Mm -hmm. up and not knowing where they are, it would be be devastating. Yeah. Fucking torture. Not dolphin safe. Not dolphin safe. No. So, I don't know. Between the ages of 12 and 18, it's a little bit murky. I don't really know, but Sarah slash Cecilia still lived with her father and was still, like, moving from place to place in these different Lubavitch communities in the U.S., okay? Okay. When she's 18, she somehow gets in contact with her mother mm-hmm. behind her father's back. Wow. And the mother, Tuna, flies to New York, and they meet up over the 4th of July in New York. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my and God. it's, like, this emotional meetup, and it's all <clears> these <throat> things. And then it becomes murky after that again, but basically she is no longer under the thumb of her father. Now she's, like, a, an adult woman married with kids. Mm-hmm. She still goes by Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um Sarah Finkelstein, and now she's married. She has her husband's last name. I'm assuming she's still Jewish, but she's not Lubavitch. Right. She's not Hasidic. Um, and she has a good relationship with her mother. She has no relationship with her father. Wow. But no one ever pressed charges against him. What? Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. And he lives in Jerusalem. Um... That oh is Stockholm Syndrome. God. Yeah. What yep. the fuck? You see a little bit of that yeah. in my story, too. It's 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 crazy Ooh. how fucking real that shit is. Like, it is mm-hmm. so real. To mm-hmm. deprive both the child and the mother of their entire childhood. Oh, it's horrific. And growing mm-hmm. up. Oh, my God. And not even know. Oh, I can't even. I can't even. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, it's pretty fucked up. Ugh. Okay. Here right, we go. Let's go. Okay, so right. I am going to be talking about the abduction of Connie McAllister. And though this story, in my opinion, is a little bit cut and dry, I thought it really spoke to the challenges of abductions that make it across the border and how much, like, a language barrier, a broken law enforcement system, and a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome can kind of isolate you in these situations. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a young woman from Wisconsin. Obviously. We haven't talked. She's already a victim. I know. We haven't talked about Wisconsin (laughs) in a while, so I had to to go with this. (laughs) (laughs) At least her name's not Tuna. We love Wisconsin. It's just ingrained in our bones to hate Wisconsin. So please forgive us. For yourself, Lucy. The only times I've ever been to Wisconsin, I've literally barfed in a parking lot. I only go to Wisconsin to drive through it to go to Chicago. 19 times Mm -hmm. you've been to Wisconsin, you barf in a parking lot. There's no cap, apparently. You don't learn. Mm -mm. 
<laughs> that or like going across the border to like get fireworks when it's like 109 degrees and you're six <laughs> teenagers crammed into one kid's Camry. That sounds no, like a whole other episode. You're five te- you're five 15 year olds and one 16 year old is yeah. how that works. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that is my experience of Wisconsin, and I hate it. Well, Go congrats. On. Speaking of one 16-year-old, Connie went missing oh. in 2004 oh, at the age of 16. Sake. Nice oh, transition. Yeah, God. Just okay. trying to get you all to shut up. She was found <laughs> in 2013 living in Mexico with her three children. No. <gasps> no. Yep. No. Yep. Yep. Oh. So she's missing for nine years. She was 26 years old at the time that she was located. Uh, So like nine to ten years. And she was located after a church missionary in in Mexico reported seeing her in a Walmart. It's always a Walmart. And alerted the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Some reports say that Colleen uh, was at the, or sorry, Connie. I don't know why I called her Colleen. Connie was at the Walmart selling puppies. No. <laughs> Though I could not confirm this, I am 100% calling this fact. She was selling puppies. Uh-huh. Inside yep. the Walmart? Like, like, like in the parking, parking lot. lot. Like out of a box yeah. in the parking lot. Also, I'm such a fucking terror that I definitely bought a kitten from some rando 12-year-old selling kittens out of a cardboard box Mm -hmm. once in my town. And I brought it home, and my mom didn't even let me pass the threshold of the door. She was like, no. And we, like, got in the car. You had to return it. it. We No, well, the kids were gone, and so she was like, god damn it. So we went over to her. Yeah. So he went over to her friend's house who already had, like, two cats and two dogs. And she was like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this cat. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God, I love it. And so they <laughs> kept the cat forever. Ah, that's perfect. You're the- yeah. yeah, you're terrible. Yeah. So yeah. she was... Pretty much. She was identified and put in contact with her family via Skype to confirm that it was actually her. Quote, we have confirmed through conversations on Skype that this really is Connie, and she did ask for help getting home. This is according to the Wausau police captain. Um, but she said she won't come home without her children because she's now married and has three kids. Uh, okay. So her abduction took place in 2004. She's at a party in Milwaukee in on, like, August 15th, so it's mid-August. She's picked oh up God, from the party there. by her then-boyfriend's roommate, Chapo. Uh huh. So L no red flags there. Just Chapo, and she said they arrived. He took her to Chicago the next day to meet up with her boyfriend Mm. Freddie Ruiz. So Mm. McAllister says that the men told her they were going back to Wisconsin, but she said the next sign she saw was "Welcome to New Mexico." So I'm like, were you sleeping for a day? Are you like what happened here? Yeah, they just they must have they must have given her some sort of sedative. That's That's like twelve hours. That's what we're saying. To 12 hours. She says she thinks she was drugged and taken to Mexico against her will because she, she, like, woke up, you know, basically a day later in New Mexico uh, and almost at the border. I would have had to pee, like, 30 times in that time period. I know. Um, Cheers to her. I would have had so many snacks. I know. Poor baby. (laughs) No snacks. No snacks. No pee breaks. 
from okay. Wisconsin to New Mexico with no you snacks. You should have seen guys. the snack okay. bar that Kenyon and I would tragedy. set up for the hour and 45 minute drive from her college to my house. We yeah, would get snacks for like four people for a whole day to drive that hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> Family size bags of snacks. And we would oh complete them. Kenyon's mom's feet would have been so swollen oh from the salt. So I know from road trips with this crowd, mm-hmm. don't feed your mother salt because her feet will be so swollen she can't lift them off the gas pedal. Bad idea. And it will be a crisis in itself. Mm-hmm. Someone get down here and work the pedals for me. I've had too much salt. Oh my God. Lithium's overtaking me. <laughs> Also, look in my purse for that one receipt from 12 years ago. I need it. I need it. Give me a giant Pepsi from the back. Pepsi one. Stat, this one isn't cold. I love road trips with Omar. It's really fun. It's amazing. It's really, it's kind of like an abduction. So, yeah, that's accurate. Um, the three of them arrived at Ruiz mother, Ruiz's mother's home in Sinaloa, Mexico. I don't know where that is. Oh, like the Sinaloa drug cartel. Sure. Mexico yeah. or New no, Mexico? No, like Mexico. Remember the theme of oh. this is international abductions? Yeah, but the last I heard it was New Mexico. <laughs> yep. But now they're in Mexico. And this is at least 2,000 miles away from Chicago. So she had to have been fucking drugged for them to get her there. Well, yeah. can I? I can also attest that leaving the United States is not a problem. No, it's getting it's back. It's coming in. back into the United States <laughs> with a six pack of grape Smirnoff and a fake ID. Correct. And, and two, two Cuban, Cuban cigars, cigars that raises eyebrows. <laughs> so she told investigators that she did not believe she had any options because she didn't know how to speak any Spanish, mm-hmm. and her boyfriend was basically her only English speaking like link to the world around her. Mm. And he was just a complete dick. She said he told her she was going to live in Mexico and listen to him, period. Okay. So here's also a gross fucking facet of this case. So Connie, as we know, was 16. Mm. Motherfucking Freddie Ruiz was 22 at the time that they were dating. That's some statutory shit right there. Yeah. Not okay. And when Connie, Mexico or not. at the time Connie was found, so that some nine years later, he was still wanted <laughs> on sexual assault charges against a different victim. Mm. So, so he she is have, fucking was gross. Was she married to him and did she have his no. kids? Okay. Nope. No married. Nope. No married. <laughs> so I'll get there. Um, and it's just, it, I feel like it's important to be clear here that, like, Connie was a good kid, she was an honor roll student, she was smart. You don't have to be, like, the road hard, put away trash girl from Wisconsin mm-hmm. to get wrapped up in something bad. Like, right. it's not mm-hmm. just the bad girls, the sluts that, like, run mm-hmm. off with their boyfriend. Like, no, this was a totally, mm-hmm. you know, normal 15, 16 year old girl. She was just in love with this older guy and she's mm-hmm. dumb and young. Yeah. And she trusted him and he fucking took advantage of her. Yeah. Not to victim Gross. blame anybody else and not to actually call anyone sluts. No. Yeah. No, no, I'm saying that no, victim it. blaming is not. It's not a thing. Like yeah. anyone can fall victim to this. You don't need to characterize 
don't characterize these people right. who are taken right. as a certain set because were, it's not there right. There were some snippets in the media that wanted to paint a picture of her as, like, wanting to run away and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. I just, reading more about this case, I just don't fucking buy it. So I really didn't even no. include any of that in my research because it just, it was from, like, the fucking Daily Mail. Like, I'm not having it. Mm-hmm. No. Which, we love the Daily Mail. But only, in this case, it didn't I seem legit. Only I use their research. Yeah. Hashtag fake news. So a family friend was quoted as saying he told her everything that she wanted to hear. She got involved with him. And mm-hmm. obviously they go to this party in Milwaukee. And she ended up calling her sister later saying he won't bring me back. And that's the last anyone heard from her. Oh. <gasps> like she probably wanted to leave the party or maybe it was from when they went to meet up with him in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And she called and was like, hey, he won't bring me back to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And that's like the last conversation they had before she went missing. Mm-hmm. That's, why, that's why there's that's this awful. like parenting thing out there where it's like no matter what your kid has done, they need mm-hmm. to know that if they're in trouble, you will come they can get call them, you. no questions yep. asked. Yeah. Like, obviously, Always. questions yeah. asked later, let's be real. But, but like, right. in the moment, they're not going to be in immediate trouble. It's like, I right. will keep you safe. Sure. You can because call who knows me. How- who yeah. knows how that conversation went? Like, right. I can see myself in high school drinking at a party, underage, calling my sister and being like, fuck, I gotta get home, I can't call, like, I'm afraid to call mom and dad, I'm gonna get in trouble, like, right. blah, blah, blah. I could see that, mm-hmm. but it's like, it, it. when you're 15, you just don't know the danger of this right. situation. Yeah. Um, and authorities yeah. did believe that the missing girl had been taken to Mexico, but there were no solid leads to take their investigation across the border. And you can't just go into Mexico and start looking for somebody as law enforcement. Like it right. doesn't work like that. Yeah. You don't no. have jurisdiction. Uh, mm-hmm. But in, while Hashtag in Mexico, Karen and Ellen. exactly. <laughs> Connie did manage to escape her abductor, Freddie, but without knowledge, like, she still didn't know the Spanish language, really, and was unable to contact her family in the U.S. So she basically, like, wanders around and gets a job at a local farm as, like, a field hand, which is where she met her current husband. Mm-hmm. And he followed, fathered two out of her three children, who were ages three and five when she was found. This was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and her... With that, so she fathered those two kids with her husband, and the father of her oldest child, her seven-year-old child, is a different guy mm-hmm. that she dated in Mexico after she had left Freddie. She, like, mm-hmm. temporarily de- dated this guy. That's probably how she, like, survived in the mm-hmm. city or mm-hmm. wherever she was before mm-hmm. she ended up on this farm. And this guy apparently was incredibly abusive, and at one point... He beat her so badly that she was taken to the hospital where someone helped her get a new identity likely to keep her safe from him, but mm-hmm. this further complicated any process of finding her. Shit. Oh, so, like, Jesus all this shit Christ. went down that inhibited, you know, our mm-hmm. ability to find this girl, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, again, this domestic abuse situation mm-hmm. further complicates this, you know, the Hague yep. Treaty mm-hmm. or anything else. Yep. And McAllister also claimed that she had contacted local police about four years into her captivity. So, like, she probably knew Spanish pretty well at that point Mm -hmm. and reached out to police um, asking for help. But her family said they never heard anything from police in Mexico until she Mm -hmm. was discovered in September of 2013. And this really doesn't surprise me considering how 
broken the law enforcement system really is in Mexico, especially in yeah. these like tiny little farm towns. Like, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just there's well, they're not going to give a shit. Is she still in Sinaloa because they have like a major drug yep. cartel? Um, yes, they have, I like, believe she's serious crime. Like, I feel like yep. the police just probably have bigger fish to fry. In all honesty, well, it, or or they're fucking paid by yeah. drug dealers to stay the fuck out of anybody's business. Like, right? That's yeah. that's there, the reality. There's no of it. jurisdiction. Yeah. No. So and, there's no there's no higher authority. Right. And I didn't see anything that said she moved very far out of that town. It's like okay. she basically ended up on a farm, like right outside of that town. Okay. So is she still there? No. I, I mean, that's where it gets confusing. So. Trinity Lutheran Church in her hometown of Athens, Wisconsin, they worked to raise money to bring Connie home. They said it was like, it would cost about five grand at the time to get her back here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she, they, they needed to bring her, her husband, and her three kids back to the States. Mm-hmm. And they're quoted as saying, um, it's very costly to get someone through all this process. They need car seats. They need clothes. They need bunk beds. They need, you know, a home. Connie mm. has health issues. She was only like 98 pounds when she was found <gasps> at 26 years old. Yep. At 26? Yeah, her kids aren't vaccinated. And she's 98 pounds. <gasps> oh, my yeah. God. So clearly That's she's not, not eating much. She's not working good. like a dog in the heat, like. It's just, there's, oh. this wasn't a good situation for her. Oh, my God. Oh my God. And I, I looked shit. forever. I, the only articles I could find on this situation, nothing's on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. The only articles I could find were from 2013 when it was, like, all sensational that she was found. And, like, how they were working to get her back. But I don't have anything that's like, oh, Colleen, or, you know, or I keep calling her Colleen. Connie McAllister ends up back in the Colleen. States. Yeah, it probably. Um, so I couldn't find anything. I even fucking tried to get on Facebook and, like, mm-hmm. find Connie no. McAllister. But Wisconsin has a lot of Connie McAllisters. None yeah. of them look right. <laughs> so, I mean, I'd like to Nash. assume that her and her family are in the United States now. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I really don't know. I don't, and... Like, her aunt was the only one who was really involved in getting in contact with her, trying to get her home, working mm-hmm. with the church. Like, her mom left and went to Florida after she was abducted, like, a couple of years after she was abducted. And there are a couple articles that say they really haven't had any contact even now that she's been found. So like, Interesting. So, obviously, there's some weird shit going on there that we don't know about. Right. But... Well, dash of Stockholm. Mm-hmm. So or it just was maybe, so you know, strange. Her home life wasn't great, mm. and that's why she, uh, you know, sought solace in this boy originally. You know, right? Or an older man who's like saying he's going to take I mean, care of her and blah blah mm-hmm. blah. Yeah. She trusts him. Also, if if you if you've been in the in, in this lifestyle for so long, like this, well, she got married. Life, she so had children. She has a family. You know, like this is her life. If it's it, it doesn't even need to be Stockholm. It's just mm-hmm. comfort. This is just what right. I, I what mean, I am. Now. I can't what I disagree that you know, God forbid, something like this happens to me. But if I build a life somewhere and have children, I'm not just going to take off either. Yeah. You know, regardless of the no, circumstances, yeah, no. I would not, yeah. I probably wouldn't leave my home without my family. And it's one thing to bring God. a U.S. citizen back to the States. It's quite yep. another to bring, like, a U.S. citizen and four, four. non-citizens yep. back. It's not a thing. Yeah. It's much harder. Also, five 
also five of which are not accustomed to like U.S. living mm-hmm. or the economy or the well, yeah, like con- anything. Connie probably you know? was because she was here till she was fifteen, but her husband and three kids certainly are not. I know, but like she not have her GED. Adult. You know, she didn't. no. That's true. She she's not equipped at all to live in the society as an adult as she sure. was when she left, and to bring herself and mm-hmm. four children home, quote unquote, right. home yep. with her. Well, that's difficult. I don't. That's yeah. complicated. You, but I also don't want us to like overstate like the differences between like Mexico and the U.S. Although if she's in no, rural Mexico, not. yes, it's like wildly, wildly different. But still, I mean. People from these areas. It oh, absolutely. On where it's it's very, it's yeah. very modern. It's not it's like where. she was necessarily living in a hovel, but right. let's be real. She was 98 no, 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 fucking pounds when where. she was found right. working as a farmhand. Like, right. it doesn't sound like she was living in, she wasn't you know, thriving. very modernized. Mexico yeah, she was City. not thriving by, the, yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. And whether that be because she was overworked and malnourished or she had you know, health issues that were not being treated properly. It doesn't matter. She was mm-hmm. clearly not well mm-hmm. physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, clearly this is a much more complicated case just because now she has literally lived here for over 10 years. And now mm-hmm. it's going on 15 plus years and she has a family there. So, yeah. you know, how do you get someone to leave your kids mm-hmm. and how torn must you be between the family that's been looking for you, that loves you, mm-hmm. and the family that now you've made. I can't even imagine being given that kind of choice. That's a right. fucking Sophie's choice right there. Oof. So, mm-hmm. And, like, if you leave to come visit your family, are you going to be allowed to go back to Mexico? Like, you have, a, you have a different identity in Mexico. They know now that that's not who you are. Like, how yeah. does that complicate the process? If you leave, There's can so you come back? There's so many layers. There's yeah, because so she's not a citizen layers. of Mexico. Her fake <laughs> identity... Is probably a citizen of Mexico, but yeah, she's not. She Connie's even not be in Mexico. No, she's yeah. illegal over mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like so many yeah. fucking layers to this mm-hmm. insane situation. Wow. So that's yeah. Connie McAllister. Fucking Freddie, man. Oh, yeah, that guy's a dick, you. and I, I couldn't find anything on him. There's no mugshot, nothing. He's still mm-hmm. in Mexico, so like, yeah. no one's gonna fucking go after him. Yeah. So not to like confuse the situation, but. There's a type of human trafficking, especially human trafficking for sexual exploitation, Mm -hmm. where uh, the trafficker will pretend to be, um, like, the boyfriend or lover of Mm -hmm. the target victim and then lure them to another place. So not necessarily over an international border, but lure them Mm -hmm. just to even another city. Um, and then be like, well, if you really loved me, you would, you know, help help me. Basically, meaning like, if you really love me, you would sell sex. Yeah, exactly. I didn't see anything that alluded right. to that in this story, yeah. but I, I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. And Hard it, to you, tell. it could certainly look suspicious because he's so much older than her, and he has clearly right. drugged her and taken her. You know, yeah. out of the out of the country, but I mean, there was nothing. She clearly did. Anything she like certainly that. did not report yeah. any kind of, yeah, uh, like sexual exploitation of her. It sounded more like their relationship was not good, and he was abusive right. toward her, and she did get away from him, and then was just like isolated in this 
scary place that she didn't know and just kind of did what she could to survive on the streets because not even the fucking police were helping her. And, like, what are you going to fucking do? This girl can't even drive a goddamn car. So the sole purpose of this entire case was just, like, personal vindication of the guy? He just wanted to be in Mexico and wanted her there with him, I guess. Yeah. He... It just I seems think that's like what it sounds like. He took her to her. I mean, not that there's any good reason to abduct no. a human, but this is he took like her to his mother's ridiculous, house, right? He took her to his mother's house. It sounds like he was yeah. controlling and he wanted, <clears throat> you know, ownership of her, and he yeah. wanted to be back with his family. Ugh. And he knew yeah. that he could probably get away with far yeah. more in Mexico, and he did. I mean, as far as we yeah. know, he's still right. not apprehended. He's still out there with additional right. sexual charges against him. So he could have been running from authorities in the U.S. for these sexual charges. Also, it's a very classic abuser tactic to isolate one's victim from their friends and family, and what Mm -hmm. better fucking way to do it than to literally, like, drug them and kidnap them and take them to a country where they don't speak the language. I guess this is a perfect way to say that, like, human trafficking, quote-unquote, or, like, international abductions don't have to be for any sort of grand scheme logical reason it's, it could do, it could be a, something as trite as i didn't want my girlfriend to break up with me you know yeah it's just yeah. It's totally I it could have been if you were if you were going to classify it or prosecute it in a court of law it would be abduction in this case it would not be trafficking oh but, well for sure yeah, but I just see what it just seems saying. like such trite reasons you know yeah like yeah. it just it is to quote one of my favorite phrases, it is, it is what it is. Yep. <laughs> yep. Which is, isn't that Amanda's biggest pet peeve? No, it's one no, of that's my Lucy's. biggest pet peeve. Oh, pet peeve. <laughs> but you have to assume <laughs> that, you know, a 22 year old man dating a 16 year old child mm-hmm. is probably. Fucked up. I don't know. You're fucked up. Like, I'm sorry. You just fucking are. Either mm-hmm. you yourself are an immature, insane person, or you're a fucking pedophile, yeah. or you're a combination of the two. Like, regardless. Or it's you're not just a okay. loser. It's yeah. not you're okay. You're just a fucking loser. And you yeah. can't it's get not anyone good. your own age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. either way, Freddie Ruiz, you gross. Mm-hmm. Go home. You're disgusting. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Yeah. Connie, I hope you're well. I wish you the mm-hmm. best. I'm sure you're listening to the show. <laughs> At we least love you're bilingual you. now. You have our you have our full support. <laughs> if yeah. we have that one hit from Sinaloa, Mexico, we know it's either Connie or Freddie. So, <laughs> oh so watch, so watch okay. shout out or pat yourself on the back. Yeah. God bless. Oh my god. So yeah, All right. That's on what I special got. Special thanks this week. Special thanks this week to everyone in Sinaloa who is not killing us. Mm-hmm. Love you. <laughs> or each other or others. Also to um, Winema Van Zant. I hope Ooh. I said that right. Winema. Um, and Natalia Mendez. Yas Queen. Yas Queen. Natalia ran into Amanda at her place of work, and yep. it was our first like live fan, first and only live <laughs> fan sighting. <laughs> Um, well, one of Lucy's sister's friends saw me at work, too. Yeah. And she like, was she like, hey, you have pink hair. You must be Amanda. I you guess. Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> she put it together. She She's clever. She pieces it all like together. I like it. Whatever so works. I stand out. So that was pretty cool. So Winema Van Zandt, Natalia Mendez, Siba, who is Ooh, from Siba. 
either from or is currently living in the Netherlands. So all oh, of cool. those people are giving at uh, $10 a month or more, which means they will be getting a free fucking patriarchy wine glass in and the mail. Yeah, and Siba, I'll be sending yours to your friend in the States so you can steal it from, because... Yep. Yeah, because we're not about to send that to the <laughs> Netherlands. Because we, we can't. cheat. Love you. Um, so, and then we also have uh, Carrie McGurn, Jessica, <laughs> Jessica <laughs> Cole, yes. Caroline H., Caroline. Um, and Jennifer Putman, Woo. which is Putnam. not Putnam, nope. which I had trouble with Putman. for quite a while. Putman. And I know that we say this pretty much every week, but we are still so overwhelmed by the fact that you all support us so much. It's insanity. And like, that we get new Patreon supporters every week it's is ridiculous. truly it's amazing. So amazing. We it's can't amazing. even believe it. And so thank you. It's completely unexpected. It's completely appreciated. And we, you know, it's going to help us do, put more into this podcast, you know, put mm-hmm. more of our very little free time into this podcast mm-hmm. and make it, you know, really as good as it can be and, and mm-hmm. keep it going for as long as we can. So we so thank really you so appreciate much. it. Thank, thank you, you so much. We love you. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Sound mixing by Dan Larson. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod. If you have wine recommendations or creepy true crime stories to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. All Wine and Crime episodes are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, plus a number of other podcasting apps. If we're not on your preferred app yet, let us know and we'll work to make sure you get your wine and crime fix ASAP. Most importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It really is the best way to spread the word. Support for Wine and Crime comes from us. At the moment, we're footing most of the bill, but we ain't too proud to beg, so we're also on Patreon. If you'd like to support us and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. (laughs) 